Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Hey everybody, it's Philip. Welcome back to Old Hollywood Realness. This is the podcast where we celebrate all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. Um, this is an episode that Kathleen and I recorded over the summer where we were in Los Angeles. And while we were there, we got to interview a Mr. Eduardo Castro, famed costume designer to the stars. And we discussed his one of his favorite movies, Now Voyager. So we hope that you enjoy the episode. And also don't forget to hit us up on social media, Old Hollywood Realness on Facebook and Instagram, OHR Podcast on Twitter, email us, oldhollywoodrealness at gmail. Don't forget to give us a five-star review over on iTunes because we're still running our promotion where we're giving away a copy of the Hollywood Book Club to a lucky winner. So leave your review over there and we'll um, choose a person on the next episode. So until then, have fun. Thanks. Um, hello, welcome back everybody. Hi. It's Old Hollywood Realness. It's the podcast where we celebrate all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. That's right. And all the people who make it possible. <laughs> um, I'm Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen No. And we are continuing from our field trip to Hollywood. That's right. Our annual um, pilgrimage to the motherland. <laughs> um, very exciting um, because we have a guest with us today. Yes. And we are proud to present um, costume designer Eduardo Castro. Hello, everyone. Hi, welcome to the show. Welcome. Eduardo. It's so great to be here. And thank you so much for giving us your time. You're really yes. sweet of this. Oh, uh, my pleasure. And um, and you're hosting us in your beautiful home, which yes. is like, I mean, well, you, when you when you uh, when you uh, finish, you'll see that we have some. Old Hollywood sketches. For you to look oh at. my god! Oh, maybe gosh. a little, maybe a little too. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's one in particular that uh, you'll see that is my prized possession that uh, is from the Ten Commandments, oh, actually, wow. and um, and it was given to me by the designer Dorothy Jenkins. And oh, wow. when uh, and I didn't even notice, but at the corner of the sketch is a little scribble. And uh, I really never noticed it until my partner said, you know what that says? And I said, what? It says, okay, CBD. <gasps> so oh it says, God. okay, Cecil B. DeMille. Oh wow. Yeah. And it has all the fabric swatches. And on the back of the sketch is the entire budget. Oh, wow. For the and costume? For the costume, yep. wow. including the jewelry, what it cost, and the doubles, and the time frame of how long it was going to take to manufacture, oh and the OKs by the director and the director of photography. Oh, wow. So it was very, it's a very interesting piece. That's that like a just, piece of like, it so, is. there's so yes. much information in that one piece of paper, mm-hmm. literally. It like, is. And, you know, costume sketches like that aren't, aren't done that way that no, you know, no, you know, no nobody's you know that's, but, uh, it was almost like a contract like all in yeah. one yes, bill of material yes, everything yes yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's so fantastic oh, wow so Eduardo before we get into the movie I actually would love to get to know some of the background of your history as a costume designer well it's interesting I 
was at LA City College, mm-hmm. kind of not knowing where to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're 18 years old, 17 years old, actually. When, and when was this? 1970. Okay. So I'm kicking around. And one day my father, who uh, was a surgeon, said to me, um, uh, my nurses, uh, my nurse, her daughter is working at this place. You should go down and apply. And what it was, was applying as an usher to the music center downtown, mm-hmm. the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, the Amundsen Theater, the, oh, wow. the Mark Tate Perform. So when I was there, I had never seen a play or a musical or a ballet or an opera. And all of a sudden I'm thrown into this world and I said, oh my God, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to you know, study. And um, so as I, as I moved forward at LA City College, I started taking the theater classes and oh, was wow. in the drama department. And um, so I decided that I wanted to, to work, at, to be a costume designer. Oh. And so when I was working at at the music center, I kept looking at the programs of uh, of the costume designers and their bio and their biographies to see where they went to school. And at that point, so many people were coming out of Carnegie Mellon University, huh. and Roth. So many, so many designers were coming out of there. So I decided to investigate what this Carnegie Mellon University was, mm-hmm. and I found out that it was in Pittsburgh. And um, it was one of the few colleges at, the t- at that time in the 70s that offered a, uh, a degree in the drama department with, a, with a, uh, an emphasis in costume design. Mm-hmm. So I applied and I got in. And uh, after three years at uh, L.A. City College, I spent another four years at uh, Carnegie Mellon. And Carnegie Mellon was the classic... Uh, uh, drama school where you started from the bottom up and wow. you, you know, wow. uh, uh, it was costume history, draping, construction, and actual, actual making these clothes and then being part of a production. So it was the premier school at the time. Oh, wow. So I graduated from there in 1977 and um, I immediately got a job at Western Costume Company. And Western Costume Company at that time was the premier place Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. have your costumes made and manufactured and, uh, you know, pulled from. And uh, my first job, my first job at Western was uh, in July of 1977, almost 42 years ago. And um, uh, my first assignment was... uh, to go to the back, there was a there was this uh, courtyard in the back, and there were two trucks, <laughs> and they said you got to unload this truck and just hose it down, <laughs> and it was apocalypse now, so it oh was all of the boots and all of the uniforms that were like you know full of just everything, and oh I my just God. and it was the heat of July, and I wow. I scrubbed it, and I spent two weeks, you know, scrubbing the boots. The uniforms, <laughs> wow. and you know, really starting from the bottom, and I didn't mm-hmm. mind. I really didn't mind. Well, it was kind uh, yeah. of something, you know. I said, okay, you know, whatever. I'm paying my dues, mm-hmm. and um, then I spent the next three or four months putting away stock and learning where everything was, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and getting the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. And as I moved forward, I would sit at my lunch hour and I would draw. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I would draw. It was one of those things I used to, and people noticed it. And one person that noticed it was a man named Bernie Pollock, uh-huh. who's Sidney Pollock's brother. Oh wow! And uh, one day he said, "Hey kid, uh, do you want to sketch? A, you want to sketch for me?" And it was a Robert Redford film called oh. "A Place to Come to." It didn't didn't go anywhere. I, right. I sketched for about a week and then didn't. But it was exciting yeah. because it was like I was moving up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And um, after about seven months, I was moved up to an office and I started pulling shows on my own. Back then, you would uh, uh, there would be a film and um, uh, you would be like an in-house assistant. Right. And one of the first films I think I worked on as an in-house assistant was for a designer named Mae Routh and it was for a film called Being There. Oh, yeah. So I got to... Uh, pull all of the extras for, for, for that. I also got to be in charge of manufacturing all of the made-to-order costumes for Peter Sellers. Oh, and I was invited to his fittings. And it was the first time that I was part of such an important situation. Mm-hmm. And one thing would lead to another, and uh, I started to get a reputation, so designers would be asking for me to pull their show. <laughs> I worked with them, uh, uh, what, where was it? Um, oh, Peter Sellers Fitting. Oh, Peter Sellers <laughs> Fitting. And then from that, uh, I, I worked on a film called Hurricane. Uh, which was uh, not a very good film, <laughs> but, but it had a very major designer, Danilo, Danilo Donati, who oh. used to work for Fellini. Oh, wow. And he used to, you know, he did Romeo and Juliet. Right. Oh, and uh, he did s- several films for, um, for um, uh, Fellini and uh, De Sica and all those people. And he came in and uh, they were shooting in Bora Bora. So he came in with his assistant, Gabriella Pescucci, who is now a very huge designer herself. And I was in charge of fitting Max von Sydow, oh. Trevor Howard, um, and a few others. Uh, and uh, plus, plus pulling the show. And then there were a couple of other situations I got to help Halston. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> on a musical called The Act with Liza Minnelli. Oh, yes. yes. Um, after Theodora Van Runkel got fired in Chicago. That was kind of a a scandal at the uh, at the time and um uh so i had uh i was on my way with these assistants and um one day about two years uh, after i had been there the head of the head of western costume company one of the uh, uh, uh people that was in charge uh, his name was al nickel who always um uh took care of me and and made sure that uh, he he was like a guardian angel Mm -hmm. and he took me into his office and he said young man it's time for you to leave (laughs) and he said sign this paper and I signed this paper I said what is this this is the entrance into the designers guild so he had prepared all of that for me and he said you start next week you're gonna be sketching and assisting Bobby Mannix on the long riders he got me a job he got me into the guild and that was a great, great way of uh, an entree of going into exactly. And um, uh, after I left Western, I worked for a variety of other designers. And uh, one day, I, uh, I landed a job on Fame, the television show. Oh, wow. And I was, you know, I was very young, and that was kind of like. Uh, 
my first solid job paying job where mm. I was, oh God, I'm getting some money and <laughs> it feels good because I was making $2.35 at Western. Oh. It was like real. I don't think I hit three dollars an hour. Oh so I think my take-home pay was like a hundred dollars after uh, overtime, and you know it was like it was, you know, you know it was a, a little tough. Yeah. But very rewarding yeah. at the same time. So uh, I'm doing fame, and I did that for a year mm-hmm. with a, a, a fellow uh, classmate of mine, Nan Rose Buckman, who brought me on. And at the time, there were there wasn't a designer. We sort of kind of I did the men, and she did the women. Oh, okay. And I was very very excited, and it was fun, and uh, it was a good job. Yeah. And then I get a call uh, from a gentleman named Richard Schisler. And Richard Schisler uh, was a wonderful designer, and he was working with uh, a legend. He was working with Milena Cannonero. Huh. And he called me and said, we're looking for someone to work on this television show. And the only criteria that Milena had was that the person needed to be nice. <laughs> and somehow my name came up a few times oh. and uh she requested to meet me and I met her uh and she offered me the job of working on Miami Vice. Oh wow. <gasps> and I said <laughs> like uh, iconic 80s oh television. Well no, it was you know, it was like um I said, you know, uh my goal is to be a designer and I'm not really like a, a, this job. The, the job was a supervisor mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, it's a hard job. It's a very hard job mm-hmm. and I'm not very good at it, but, <laughs> but somehow she wanted me for that. And I said, okay, but you know what? I'm really more of a, uh, a designer and I don't know if, I, you know, and, uh, and I have such a good gig here at, um, at fame and, and she offered me something very, very unusual. She said, if you work for, and if you do this one year as the supervisor with me and Richard Schistler, then I promise you the next year you can design the show if it all works out. And it did. Oh, wow. And so I designed the fourth season. Oh, of wow. oh wow. And that was my first uh, design right. situation. And um, so that was wonderful because um, not only... Uh, it was a special, special uh, situation because Michael Mann was a very special producer and uh, he insisted on sending us to Europe to shop for the show. I mean, so, <laughs> so uh, I mean, it could be here worse. I am, I this is my first show and uh, I'm handed a first class ticket on Pan Am. Wow. To, I mean, to, I mean, like to Milan. Oh, and I'm not used to this kind of wow. luxury and I'm not, the, the whole thing was uh, when I was on fame, I think, you know, I shopped at the Gap. Right. I, mean, I you're shopped, shopped at Macy's. Co- right. Like college, yeah. it's like a college, wasn't it? Or high, high school. school. High so school. It makes so sense. Like, like you're and Melrose and this yeah. and that. People, yeah. I had no idea <laughs> of this world. Yeah. And um, I got to meet Mr. Versace. <gasps> I got to meet Mr. Armani. Wow. I got to meet Agnes B. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of designers. And, and mm. within... The, the prior year when I was supervising, I sucked everything up. I mm-hmm. sort of knew what mm-hmm. these fashion 
designs were about. And uh, having not been exposed to that, I, mm-hmm. I sucked it up. I realized, oh my God, yeah. this is like major, you know, the Claude Montana pieces, right. the uh, Gianni Versace pieces, mm-hmm. the Armani pieces, everything was, uh, was um, amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hugo Boss, right? Because oh, yeah. we had a deal with Hugo Boss, yeah. uh, something like a hundred thousand dollars worth of product, which was huge at the time. Yeah, huge I mean, at the time. But the interesting yeah. thing about Miami Vice, because I just talked about this uh, at a film festival I was at, uh, and I was looking back at Miami Vice with my my assistant, who still has been with me after all these years. Um, there was a crew of six people. <laughs> it was oh very God. small, very That's small. There were no shoppers. I was the shopper. Oh, wow. There was no Adrian Dyers. There was. Oh my uh, gosh. Uh, it was. It was very very small and today that's you know today the crew would be more about 20 20, 2025 you know uh it's such a different thing yeah but um uh it taught me how to be very very fast i imagine because you know television is television is very 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 fast and after miami vice i had hooked up uh before before uh I had met Milena. I had met another designer, Wayne Finkelman, who was also an Italian mm-hmm. who had worked uh, in Italy. He worked with Piero Tosi on uh, Death in Venice. He did the hats for Death in oh, Venice. Wow. So he had this Italian thing, and um, I became his assistant on a little movie called, and it wasn't a little movie, it was a big movie called Protocol with uh, Goldie Hawn. Okay. And uh, then we were going to do, I did, the sequel to Chinatown, which was called The, the Two, Two Jakes. Jakes. Yeah. The first version. The mm-hmm. first version was to be directed by the writer. Robert Town hmm. was going to direct it. And we were on the film for three months. We had prepared the film. It was mm, Kelly McGillis was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy Moriarty was in it. Jack Nicholson, of course, was in it. Um, and Robert Evans, the producer, uh-huh. was going to play the second Jake and we did a screen test and something started to not feel right. And the week before the week before, uh, no couple days before he started shooting, Robert town came up to me and asked me if Dustin Hoffman would fit into Robert town, uh, Robert Evans clothes. And I said, maybe, I I don't know. You know, it was like, what was going on? First day of shooting, we're all gathered and we never shot a frame and the film collapsed that day. Oh, wow. And a couple of years later, it got revived. And by that time, the budget was different. Everything was different. And, uh, um, Wayne was again going to design it mm-hmm. and I wanted to assist him, but his hands were tied. He had to use somebody else. But as a reward, he said, but by the way, I've got two films and I can't do bird on a wire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? So I'll do, I'll do Goldie. I'll do most of Goldie and you do the rest of the movie. So that was a gift. Yeah. And, uh, so that was a wonderful gift. So that was my entree into, um, my first big feature, and uh, which was wonderful with uh, a wonderful director, John Badham. And so, uh, you know, 
I started my career with that, and then I did a couple of movies in India, mm. and uh, uh, somehow I ended up having to replace designers. <laughs> and oh. One time, uh, and I did a film uh, with I, I started I did a film with uh, Mira Nair uh, called The Perez Family, and uh, she hired me because I wasn't afraid of color. <laughs> and so, you know, it was about Cuban refugees in the 1980s. Right, yeah. And so oh, wow. that, was, that worked out really well. And uh, it was with Marissa Tomei and Alfred Molina. And we had a, a, a great time and we shot in Miami. Uh, the next film she was going to do was Kama Sutra. And I wanted to do Kama Sutra, but she, she was very honest. She came uh, out to L.A. and had a conversation with me and told me that she couldn't hire me. She was tied again to Japanese money, this and that. Uh, and they uh, went with Eiko Ishioka, who's oh, a yeah. brilliant, oh, of brilliant, I mean, yes. absolutely Lord. <laughs> brilliant designer. But in the conversation, I said, well, if you ever get in trouble, call me. <laughs> I then go off to do a commercial uh, with Sean Connery in Rome. And wow. I'm doing the commercial in, Sean Con- uh, in Rome. And I sent, from Rome, I sent um, Mira a little postcard. And I just said, how's it going? I get back from Rome and I get a phone call. <laughs> and things aren't going so well. And uh, I said, what's wrong? I said, well, it's four weeks before shooting and we don't have one stitch of clothing. And I said... Whoa. And she was stressed. The designer had been there for three months. And uh, so she said, Can you come to Bombay? And I said, Like, when? Like, tomorrow. And I said, But I don't know anything about India. I haven't even done any research yet. No, I hadn't done. But I think. They they had to have this. They they had to get somebody to do this movie. They had to get it done. And. so I said, okay, I flew to India. And, and I think what happened, uh, I think what happened uh, in Aiko's defense was she had designer's block. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she did Dracula, right. the great mm-hmm. movie, she had Richard Schisler, which was the person that I worked with on Miami Vice. Right. And she had, a, I think, a better support team. Right. And this happens with a lot of designers that if they mm. don't have the support team, it just doesn't work out. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, I know for a fact that Milena turns down will turn down a movie if she, she cannot get the right assistance. She oh, just, sure. you know, yeah. she she knows the, the value that she has to have a certain supervisor. She has to have a certain assistant. Mm. She has to have, you know, because and the assistants have to be of a certain level. Right. Yeah. They have to be of a certain level. So. Uh, when I got there, nothing was done, and there were these drawings, and um, uh, she wanted to stay on to do the principles, and she begged to stay on. I said, listen, I'm, I'm telling you now that it's not going to happen if, if it hasn't happened now. So uh, they let her go, and I came in, and um, I cobbled the look together. We had three and a half weeks to get it uh, to camera, and I sort of said, well, let's... Start with, and the producer's asking me for a budget. I said, I have no idea what things cost in India. I don't know any of the structure. Right. So um, the assistants that I had were wonderful. They were really, really great. And they were actually very supportive. Um, and they had related to me that she just had a block, that mm-hmm. she just uh, had shut down and couldn't move 
one way. And, and I also think she had trouble communicating with them. Right. Sure. So yeah. she probably needed, I would say, two really great assistants that knew her, that worked with her, and that could, could promote her vision. Because, mm. you know, later on, she did two brilliant films. Oh, yeah. You know, mm. The Cell and The Fall. The Fall. The Fall. I is, mean, The I mean, Fall they're, they're, it's extraordinary. I am, extraordinary. It breaks my heart that not a lot of people have actually seen The Fall. No, The Fall and, is an amazing and film. And talk it, about Hollywood history. Like, yeah, that movie is yeah. like a love letter to like silent films and, and all. And it's so, so beautiful. it was, uh, you know, I had mixed feelings about doing this film. Right. And so I, uh, mm-hmm. bottom line is that at the end of the movie, I sort of knew how I would have designed the movie. Oh, yeah. right. And so, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. it's like I, 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 I got through it and I cobbled through it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, I said, oh, my God, had I known what I know, yeah. right. I would have approached it this way. I would have made the garments a certain way. I would have made them grander. I would have done this. I would have done that. Unfortunately, um, uh, it, we got through it. You know, right, we got through right. it. And um, another uh, time I worked with another director, also Indian. Her name is Gurinder Chada. Mm-hmm. And we did a little film, a tiny little film called What's Cooking? I had $10,000 to dress Joan Chen, Kara Sedgwick, Juliana Margulis. Oh my God. But it was a modern piece. It was about Thanksgiving and we were, and Alfred Woodard, and we were able to do it. We we were resourceful and Mm -hmm. we were able to do it. Two years later, uh, she's doing a musical, a Bollywood musical, Bride and Prejudice. Oh, and, wow. my God. And I wanted That's to do right. Bride and Prejudice, but she said, oh. I can't hire you because re- they really need a U- an EU passport holder. Oh, and right. Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. And uh, on that production, I think the gentleman that was doing it had a little nervous breakdown and got very ill, and oh, no. uh, they were in a panic, so they called me. <laughs> this was oh, three gosh. weeks after shooting oh, goodness. <laughs> started. So off I go to London, because they were in London, and they had already done these great musical numbers, and they, there was about a third of the film done, and I had to finish the rest of the film. And he had done some great work. He was uh-huh. a very, He's a very good designer. But it was like, oh, my gosh, coming in and, and uh, trying to save the day on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, that was a little harder. That was a little harder. But, um, you know, I'm glad I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad I did it. And then I think uh, things started to turn for me when, when I got um, Ugly Betty. Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, um, that became kind of a signature piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, I had seen the pilot that Patricia Fields had done. Oh, And right. I said, this looks great. This, yeah. this is kind of wonderful. I would love to do this. So I went in and uh, um, this is the thing about costume design and, 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 um, and how we work. Because it's so much as who you know as opposed to what you know as well. Right. And uh, the producer at the time of Ugly Betty, I had worked with 20 years earlier when she was an AD, and I was a set costumer on a sitcom with Bill Bixby and Mary oh Hartley gosh. called <laughs> Good Night Bean Town over here in yeah. Burbank. And since those days, 
uh, we had worked together. We we later worked together on a project called Paper Dolls, mm-hmm. which was kind of like the dynasty of the fashion business oh. with, with, with Morgan Fairchild and Brenda Vaccaro. And I Lloyd. mean, why Lloyd. don't we know yes. about this show? Because it oh, sounds it was, amazing. It, was, it, was, it, was, it didn't do very well. <laughs> well but, but, but that show, it was interesting because she was uh, an AD again uh-huh. on that show. And... Um, she somehow saw that I could draw, so I did all the fashion drawings for the for the show. Oh, I did all yeah. of the fashion illustrations, mm-hmm. so she knew I could draw, and she kept she would call me, you know, every so often. And then when Ugly Betty came up, she she called me and said, "This I think this could be good for you," and uh, so um, so I got that. Oh, nice! You know? And that was kind of a, a wonderful. A wonderful thing mm-hmm. and uh, after that I did a, a film with a uh, television film with a wonderful director Bruce Beresford called uh, Pan- uh, uh, also starring Pancho Villa with um, Antonio Banderas oh yeah I have heard about that one and um, that was the one show I really went after I had never really gone after a show mm-hmm. but that show I went after because I'm Mexican I wanted <laughs> to do it I just it was part of what I wanted to do so uh, that and then um, then I tooled around and did a bunch of other stuff and uh, I was doing a really horrible horrible project for lifetime <laughs> really horrible and <laughs> everything about it was horrible okay. uh, and, and, and uh, uh, I did not have a a support team there mm-hmm. oh. and uh, we were shooting in New Orleans and uh, there was very little money and uh, 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 I had a very fierce producer on on board who uh, wanted me to uh, show her the five options for the actress and uh, she would pick out mm-hmm. uh, three and not show her any others and uh, it was it was kind of very uh, denigrating yeah Mm. and um and so it was a really really uh tough shoot uh and i was not having a good time and at one point (laughs) my agent said i heard you quit no i didn't quit i walked up i said i heard you walked off the set i walked off the set because i had to go shop for for the next scene that was coming up, uh, oh my god! Because it was like there was nobody around to do that. Oh. Yeah, and so I felt very low, and I thought this was the bottom for me. It was yeah. just, I just said, you know, I think I want to sell hot dogs. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do this. All I right. really was very, very, uh, very depressed when I get a phone call from Mark Worthington, who was the production designer on. Um, on um, Ugly Betty. Mm-hmm. And he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, God, I'm doing this thing. He said, Listen, I'm in Vancouver. And they're having trouble getting a designer. They've interviewed such and such, so and so and so and so. And either uh, they think the project is too big or whatever. And uh, he said, it's right up your alley. It's so right up your alley. I said, what is it? Oh, it's about a fairy tale. It's about fairy tales. And I said, 
this was like nine o'clock in the morning. He said, I'm sending you the script. They want to meet with you over the phone at two o'clock. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. So I get to the hotel and I get the fax. The fax isn't working. Oh, oh, no. You know, it's like, oh my, I got to read this thing. I got to read this thing. And the clock is ticking. And I have this wonderful PA working with me. Uh, and, um, and uh, actually, she was the daughter of uh, a great friend of mine, costume designer Shave Cunliffe, and she was in New Orleans, and she was one of the few people I could count on. <laughs> so I'm outside the parking lot of uh, a Burlington Coat Factory. I gave her a <laughs> list. I said, go in there, get this, 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 this. I got a phone meeting in like 25 minutes, <sighs> and I'm reading the script. And the producers called me, and I'm talking, and... Um, they said, what did you think about the script? I said, I think it's great. He said, do you think it's a problem? The, everybody says 450 extras is, a, is not doable. Uh, and I said, it's doable. Give me three people at Warner Brothers, and I'll have that for you. And um, uh, they hired me over the phone. Oh, wow. They hired me over the phone. So I got to leave the other show three <laughs> days early. They weren't happy, but I was. <laughs> and uh, so I fly up to Vancouver. And uh, this is for Once Upon a Time, which was uh, a very ambitious project, a very mm -hmm. ambitious. It was, uh, yeah. A very yeah. ambitious pilot. And I get there, and there's not a single soul available. And I'm talking not a single soul. I was going to be in tears because oh all of the principles had to be made. There were 450 extras that right. had to be whatever. And I was, I, I didn't know what to do. And then a guardian angel just tapped on my shoulder. And one of the designers that had passed on the project was across the, the, the way. And she said, I have some news for you. I said, what happened? What? What's the news? She said, Superman just folded which was the Henry Cavill Superman, oh, yeah. it had postponed for six months. Oh, okay. So it had like, and said, call this person. Uh, her name was Jana. I called Jana and I said, listen, I'm, I'm doing this, uh, this pilot. She said, well, I don't do TV. I said, oh, but you know, I'll make it fun, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, I could use a job between, you know, right. this oh, thing that just fell through. I got the entire crew. Oh, I wow. got all of That's a sudden fantastic. I got the A crew of all time, the cutter fitter that was amazing. Oh wow. Uh, wow. The assistants, the shoppers, the everybody. Wow. I mean, they all came and I was blessed. And wow. I was amazed. Was this all in Vancouver? They did all, all of that in Vancouver. And all in Vancouver. Incredible. And what wow. happened was I came down to LA to do the the meetings with the studio mm -hmm. and uh, then there's a meeting with the network. I can't tell who's who, but you know, first one is one and one's the other. Right. So I come down yeah. and I met with somebody, the studio, I guess. And this, it, the meeting went very, very well. And I got back to Vancouver and uh, Steve Perlman, the producer said, now, now you got to go do the network meeting. Do exactly what you did <laughs> because there wasn't a single note. Oh, wow. And so wow. I went back and I don't even remember what I did, but I tried to do it. But we found the, I did the fabrics here. I shipped them out to LA. Mm -hmm. I sort of, uh, what I what I did was I knew the stock at Warner Brothers uh -huh. and, and I was using a lot of Bob Ringwood's pieces that from movies that he had done and all these fantasy pieces that we yeah. put and since there was no rule about period mm -hmm. right, we yeah. were able to like uh, I got 
two guys to help me and in one week they pulled all of the stuff that I went and approved and 80 e-crates later which is a whole truckload oh, went up to Vancouver and um, I got up to Vancouver and Jana who had uh, I didn't know what the budget was going to be for this because uh, I wasn't too sure mm-hmm. and she showed me a budget I said oh they'll never go for that that's unheard of for uh, a television series Mm -hmm. it was over $350,000 for a pilot at that time it was very very expensive Mm -hmm. I think nowadays they they, they hit that but back then um, and the studio said no and she came back and she said here's the pencil what what don't you want (laughs) because it's if you want a fantasy if you want this and this and this and this major anyway they Mm -hmm. they agreed to it and um the point of this particular story was is that <laughs> after being in the business for so long, for 30 years, this project came to me and it was the easiest thing I ever did. Oh. Everything came easily to me. The designs flowed. The producers, uh, the creators loved everything. The actors liked everything. Mm-hmm. It all worked out. There wasn't a single note except for one. And that was because... Uh, when we did Rumpelstiltskin, it was the first actor we cast, they cast, it was uh, Robert Carlyle. Mm-hmm. He was only in the pilot right. for like two scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One was a modern scene and one was a, uh, and he's in jail. And uh, it was one of the characters I couldn't, it wasn't very flushed out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that the writers developed as we moved along. Right. right. So I designed a costume and it was okay. It was all right. Uh, and uh, Eddie Kitsis, the producer, the the, the showrunner, uh, came to me and said, I'll, t- "I'll tell you what. Think of him as a rock star." And with that, we 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 changed everything. And the blessing was that everything fell into place because he was the first person to arrive from Ireland, but. He, but the schedule changed, and he was the last person to shoot. Oh, yeah. So we had time to develop this wonderful oh, costume out of crocodile, real crocodile. And um, it was fantastic. It oh, was wonderful. just wonderful. So the whole thing came about and went very, very well. But I would say that Once Upon a Time is a show that I couldn't have designed, say, 20 years earlier as easily right. with all the experience that I've had uh, working with actors, working with producers, mm-hmm. working with uh, production designers. Uh, all of that comes into play so that finally it just came and it was very, very easy. Oh, cool. And so that's the last thing, actually, I, I did. And um, it was it was wonderful. That's fantastic. Wow. A very robust career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. Um, actually, so we, when we got in contact, you had mentioned that um, we asked you which movie you would like to like to discuss on the show, and you gave us the movie Now Voyager, yes. which I honestly was such a gift to, yes. to watch this movie. <laughs> so just to give some background to the, to the listener, Now Voyager from 1942, it's a Warner Brothers feature, and it's directed by Irving Rapper, and the costumes are designed by Ori Kelly, the yes. legendary. Um, we have Betty Davis playing Charlotte Vale, um, Paul Heinrad, um, yes. Jeremiah Jerry DeVoe Durance, very 
Granville's name. Uh, <laughs> McLeod Rains plays Dr. Jackwith. Gladys Cooper plays her mother, Mrs. Wendell Vale. Uh, Benita Granville is June Vale, her sister-in-law. Uh, John Loder plays Elliot Livingston, the um, fiancé, briefly. Um, and uh, Ilka Chase plays Lisa Vale, the, um, her niece. And um, skipping down, we got Janice Wilson as um, Tina Durant's the daughter of yeah, yeah. Jerry. So um, I actually wanted to get... Um, I honestly didn't have much history with this movie before. I had, I had seen... I had known sort of like briefly what the movie was kind of about yeah. and but um, on the surface level but so watching it for the podcast was um, my first time experiencing wow. it. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Kathleen do you have a history with this film? Um, a little bit. My, my mom was actually a huge Claude Rains fan mm-hmm. so growing up I grew up with like old movies and I remember her watching like Phantom of the Opera and I remember snippets of like seeing this movie but not really understanding it as mm-hmm. a kid and then I think I saw it for the first time about seven or eight years ago and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It just I never really had seen like a like I fell in love with Betty Davis. I fell in love with that yes. character. I was so blown away because I don't think like just I, I like almost have no words of how beautiful the story and just it's it's such a it is it's complicated and, it's, and tragic and beautiful. Um, so it's a terrific story and I've seen it over and over so many many times and um, the reason I chose it is that over the years I have become such a fan of Ori Kelly because mm-hmm. his costumes have such a finesse to them. They, they do. They have mm, such yeah. a finesse. Even when you, even in the vulgarity of uh, Some Like It Hot. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That Marilyn, those Marilyn Monroe dresses are classic and they are Absolutely. sexy without being vulgar. Right. 100%. And they are so sensuous and she feels so right in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, his costumes for Gypsy. I with, oh, with, yes. Uh, yeah, with, yeah, they're, they're classic. And Anti Mame. Yes. 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 Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and yeah. but, but getting back to now, Voyager, he, here is uh, a clever designer who, when we first see Betty Davis, she's a frump. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's a frump. And he didn't overdo it. I mm-hmm. think they padded her just enough. Mm-hmm. The hair and makeup was just enough. And it, y- you could see you know, the depression and everything. So that the transformation that, that becomes with comes through her is, uh, rather astonishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she makes that, I think it's that wonderful entrance where I mean, where, where when it starts with the shoes, yeah, with the yes. shoes. Yeah. So <laughs> I was literally like, when the shoes started, I was like, Yes, Queen, we are in for it, it's gonna happen. And it just panned yes. right off. That camera work and, is and, fantastic, and, and just uh, I've never, I don't think Betty Davis was more beautiful in a movie. Oh, 100%. She I mean, was, yeah. she was, yes, and not pushed nope not mm. natural pushed. when you Beautiful. when you when she comes back and she sees her mother and her mother says to put on that ugly dress back again and and she comes down the staircase it's in a very simple dress i mean that but black it is a, gown it's a black is gown but it is stunning it is breathtaking stunning. It is her figure is really gorgeous. simple and mm. her figure is gorgeous and even the end of the film uh the simple blouse mm-hmm. is mm doesn't take away what's important about a costume designer he doesn't showcase his work Mm -hmm. he showcases the character yes so that's very very important so that it always feels right Mm -hmm. it always feels right even 
uh, where he did do a, a do it a little bit over the top was in the Little Foxes, mm-hmm. oh, but no. uh, it worked. That, that, yeah, that works. That <laughs> but it worked. I mean, yeah. Regina <laughs> coming yeah. down the stairs and uh, Edwardian. And it's humans. also it's also a little bit off the period. He he glamorized the mm-hmm. period. It really really wasn't as period correct but it didn't matter no. it was just yeah. it, but it was hollywood correct yes so, so like so, some like it hot so yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or 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 you know i'll digress for a second i just recently saw because of doris day passing uh Love Me or Leave Me. Oh, yeah. Which is 20s, but with bullet bras. Yes. <laughs> well, we talk about that with Singing in the Rain all the time. Oh, yeah. 20s yeah. And like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 19, yeah. 19 huh? 19 yeah. what? <laughs> no, but you know, it's interesting. And I, I, I talk about this as costume design. Uh, there are three films. There's a film called Dr. Zhivago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a film called Reds. And there's a film called Chariots of Fire. They're all the same period, but they all have completely different looks. Right. You know, different looks because uh, Chivago has that 60s edge with the hair of Julie Christie, you know, Mm. the teased hair. And 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 whatever, whatever period, whatever period it's made in, you've always the makeup is always it's always it's it's like you look at Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, that's another one. (laughs) And it's another one. Right. Where the opening number with the opening scene with Faye Dunaway and the teased hair. Yeah. And she's got like that frosted orange lipstick, like very like 60s palette of makeup. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. looks beautiful. And I, but... and I think I think uh, costumes costume design took a turn when Piero Tozzi did Death in Venice, and that was the one of the first times where he really relied on pure authenticity of, right. of, of the period and pure authentic. He used genuine clothes, mm-hmm. so they weren't upholstered. They were real. They were real. They mm-hmm. were you know. And uh, that set a different tone of how costume design was was uh, was uh, was looked at because designers would be making these things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember um, working with Milena Cannonero. She taught me so much when she uh, brought her costumes. Uh, from uh, Affair of the Necklace and Marie Antoinette for an exhibition. Wow. Oh wow. Uh, I was in awe of them and because they were extremely light. They mm. were very light. Wow. They were not upholstered. And yeah. she's she to me she's to me she's the world's greatest costume designer right now. Uh, it's the way she thinks about things. She said to me, Eduardo, they wore these clothes. They had to work in them. They had to walk in them. Mm. And um, you know, uh, coming out of a college uh, 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 situation, you tend to go to upholstery, right. you know, mm-hmm. upholstery, and look at those clothes, and they're yeah. heavy, and they're not. Her her clothes are very light, and then the underpinnings just fit in a box. It was like boom, 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 boom. They they folded down, right? And uh, that taught me a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. That taught me a lot. But I think that going back to um, now Voyager. There are silhouettes there that I I use all the time for the Evil Queen. Very simple, very striking, yes. very, very, very chic. And uh, he, Ori Kelly takes chicness just to the right degree, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to the right yeah. degree. Uh, and uh, the men are are dressed equally as as as. Uh, there's a lot of care. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of care in that film. And uh, interesting note that the mother, is it Kathleen Nesbitt? 
Um, mother. No, uh, Gladys it's Cooper. Gladys Cooper. Yeah. Who played Rex Harrison's mother? In, oh right, uh, <laughs> right. In My Fair Lady, she was only a couple of years older than Beverly, than That's Betty so Davis. Crazy, they, she they had, that. Such she a had this gravitas about mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. She had this amazing gravitas about her, wow. and uh, she was she was remarkable. And Claude Rains' suits are just just oh, wonderful. Yeah. But I think that. Um, Ori Kelly's work in that movie really moved me into simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did Ugly Betty and I made things for, for Vanessa, we made a lot of... It was always really simple. Mm-hmm. It was never anything obtuse or over the top, mm-hmm. but her shape was very simple. And what I, I took from Ori Kelly is the quality of his fabrics. They were always amazing mm-hmm. quality. There were always amazing uh whoever made the clothes were 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 like the best at it because uh they just were they just fit so well Mm -hmm. they did they just fit so well and that was something that was a hallmark of ori kelly's work that they fit fit very well Mm -hmm. because and you know in the 30s uh there were a lot of movies that had beautiful clothes but Mm -hmm. you know you look at Casablanca mm-hmm. and Ori Kelly again outdid himself. Yeah, well, with, that's uh, with, iconic. Uh, <laughs> iconic, yeah. But I mean, uh, again, Ingrid Bergman never looked so beautiful. And talk about simplicity, but you remember. But it, but you it know? was yeah. all, and it's, it was the so, stories told, yeah. Yeah, it was so striking. And there was no embellishment yeah. on, mm-hmm. there was no embellishment on Ingrid Bergman, but there was on other characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was a character sitting at the bar she was always drunk and, yes. and, and, and she was loaded with beads like ticky you know, kind of you know, and, 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 but Ingrid Bergman came down and it was like that chic white blouse or that chic white dress mm-hmm. uh, that simple trench coat at the end the way the hat fit I was going to say the angle of the, the hat the angle of the, the hat yeah. uh, is, is uh, extraordinary and all of that uh, I took in I took in all of that. Um, it was funny because the other designer that influenced me of that period was Adrian, of course. I mean, patron saint, like exactly. Glinda, you know, Glinda the Glinda the witch. Oh. I, 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 you know, I used that in Once Upon a Time. Yes, right. and 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 uh, Adrian had such a sense of humor, completely such a light sense of. I mean, the women. Oh, I well, mean, uh, the women. women. Yeah, so <laughs> women. good. I such mean, uh, a, such a, what a movie. Just, the Countess, yes. right? The yeah. Countess in oh, the cowboy gosh. gear. Yes. <laughs> l'amour, l'amour, la publicité. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and uh, Joan Fontaine looked so beautiful. I mean, yes. She did. Yeah. I mean, but those were the days where, um, you know, there were studios behind the clothes. Mm-hmm. Studios are not behind the clothes now. You know, yeah. I mean, when they remade the women with Annette Benning, it mean, was a. Uh, <laughs> let's was, just not talk let's about just that. Not, no, 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 let's just not because <laughs> like, because it's not fair. And also, what happened no. was what happened was uh, the studios had workrooms, and you knew that they made Joan Fontaine's clothes. Mm-hmm. You knew that they made. 
Claudette, I mean, uh, Norma uh, Shearer, yeah. Norma Shearer yeah, and mean, Paulette Godard. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, that, that final, that final sequin oh. gown that Joan Collins, uh, oh. Joffrey wore, oh, and you're just oh, like oh fully gosh. sequin Joan Crawford, and you're just like, Oh God! It's and just... then there's Joan Crawford. Yeah, yes. well, then, who, there's Crawford. then there's Joan Crawford, who I uh, I uh, uh, I was very influenced when I did the Evil Queen. Uh, a lot of times when I would do her, Evil Queen had a couple of uh, ways to go. She was either mm-hmm. big, huge, pannier, over the top dresses, or sleek, mm-hmm. uh, form fitting, and I copied Joan to the core (laughs) it was like uh, the shoulders and the the, the sleek uh, simple velvet dress I love the sleek that you did it was almost like you did like modern Maleficent but what happened with the sleek that I did was it happened because uh, we were pushed we had I mean really no time Yeah. Yeah. I I had a day and a half and uh, I said to my cutter fitter god they want her sexy in this and they need to this is a seduction scene he said use velvet it just falls you know stretch velvet just Falls. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. does what it does, and it hugs the body. Yeah. And we embellished it at the waist and, and uh, cut it very low. I got in trouble once at ABC, though. <laughs> I, I remember um, uh, I had bought this fabric for um, not for the Evil Queen. It was for the Knights. It mm-hmm. was to make tunic. It was this puckered rubber uh-huh. situation that I bought at downtown the alley for like seven dollars and fifty cents a yard. <laughs> We've been there. There was a roll <laughs> there was a roll hanging around the workroom and I was busy and Mitchell, my brilliant cutter fitter, my brilliant, absolutely brilliant cutter fitter, <laughs> he was in, in between things to do and he took that bolt and he he said, look at this. And I said, oh my God. He put it o- over the form and he created this dress Madonna would wear in concert. Yeah. Wow. Very low cut. And he said, do you think we should do that? I said, absolutely. It's so, <laughs> you know, this is a case where um, it wasn't my intent, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, my wonderful cutter fitter brought it to my attention. And, <laughs> and I said, oh, that is fun. And he knew me. And, I, and, yeah. and, and so... We created this one thing, and it went way down. And ABC said there was too much boobage, but you know they let it go. <laughs> they let it go. But uh, you know, in working with uh, uh, your crew, and I think this is probably true of of Ori Kelly as well. You're you're only as good as the people they're making things for you. So he he must have had the most amazing team of cutter fitters and seamstresses that had this wonderful hand. Uh, Because I've I've seen movies that that are total train wrecks and Mm -hmm. and it's the designers actually okay. Right. Yeah. uh, But uh, you know may not happen. The execution is another. Execution yeah. is a execution is is one thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that's so. I mean, it's that's that's actually very very true. Is as your team is kind of it's paramount to be. And part I think of that's a, what yeah. really happened with team. Aiko. I think you, that's well, what happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it happens. You know, yeah. if you don't get a good team, it's like you know you're 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 only as strong as your weakest link. So oh, yes. it's like mm-hmm. if everybody's a weak link, then you're just like kind of like you can be as strong as you can be, but you're only going to do so well. But absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, but I would I want to get back to now Voyager though because there's so many beautiful looks in this movie, oh, and yeah. I really want to highlight some of them um, for for the for the listener. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because uh, we've we've ta- we've already talked for so much, taken up so much time. I don't want to. I don't need to recap the movie. You can watch yeah. it. it's fine. But um, uh, 
uh, there's like there's some looks that I wanted to really point out on this um, for me like my favorites clearly was her was her um, I love that gown that she wore to the dinner with Jerry for the first time and yes. had the butterfly cape with the yes no it's, the, it's, on the, it. yes. it's the borrowed dress yes yes, yes that's a great dress uh, where um, she's not sure of how to wear things yet right yes. and she's so still, she like, has she's the still tag getting, on yeah. it and she's gaining her confidence mm-hmm. yeah and uh, it's an important scene and it's an important dress because uh, she's not used to wearing something so fine, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's that beautiful ba- the, uh, cape and that beautiful dress. And uh, she wears it with the most beautiful hair. I mean, mm-hmm. her hair in this movie. It's yeah, just that beautiful, like, kind of like almost Gibson girl inspired yeah. yes. kind of like front poop, um, pompadour. It's. I mean, it's it's like beautiful, like no, but Betty that's Davis. a that's a like, very it makes her look so and, regal. And, and and the way that Paul Heinrich points it out mm-hmm. and says says something to the effect of, "You still look beautiful, even though your wings are borrowed." Right. Yeah. You know? Yes. So yes. I think uh, uh, it was an embarrassing situation that got mm-hmm. turned around. Yeah. And, oh, and it was part of how wonderful Paul Heinrich was, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. how sensitive he was yeah. to that. Yeah. And uh, that's an important dress. Yes, yeah. that is an important and dress. And then, like you were saying before, the black gown that she wears when black after gown, that, you... with the, when she wears the camellias the camellia, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the center of like, right underneath the My favorite yes. scene, <laughs> but my favorite scene about that, that this is the most hysterical scene. She comes down the staircase in that dress and uh, everyone's in shock. All oh, I love it. All of the old people are in shock. But the, the, the funniest part of that, that scene is she says let's have a fire <laughs> there's never been a fire in the fireplace and she lights it in one second yes it's just cause I'm like, it's, it's like boom it never it's yeah that was my I was thinking about that earlier Cleanse today when fire. I watched it I was like yeah. I was just like oh the fireplace hasn't been lit in years and yet somehow it's set up ready to go with kindling yeah, and but, paper so yeah. it's just, and it's just like just goes up, up. And, and again as I was pointing out I was like, uh, the, 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 the thing that's extraordinary about those movies at that time are the sets are huge uh, i mean the God. the staircase goes on forever yes uh, the bedroom is as huge as a whole sound stage the the uh, it's just extraordinary mm-hmm. it's it's just it's uh, we were talking before the podcast about rebecca which is another yes. thing where, yes. where, where uh, you know she walks into a bedroom and it's like huge yes, yes. But, uh, no that dress that black dress with the camellia was was striking he didn't over design it no and i think that was what i think was really good because it's almost like that like it was simple strength it's almost like yes. I, I feel like there's it's a- where she mm-hmm. gained her it's 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 where uh her wings are her own mm-hmm. yes. yeah she yes. she is striking she is strong yeah she is confident she has beaten her mother at this point. Uh, yes. Basically. <laughs> and she's she's absolutely radiant, like coming down the stairs. Oh, yeah. And and it's I love been... you know, Betty Davis has a really unique figure. She's kind of yes. and I feel like the way all of her clothes fit her so beautiful. And like with the, they have her in these wonderful V necks and then yeah, everything yeah. that just kind of like, you know, does wonders for her bust line and make yeah. and then makes her waist look little and she's just and she just looks adorable. And then mm-hmm. even like the hair, it's like scraped back and you just see her that beautiful sad face. On stage. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. just you want her to but succeed so there's much. There's a counterpoint because there's another dress that's kind of important in in the movie, and that's when uh, 
she tells her fiance that it's over. Yes, yes. that's that, the one I wanted. To, yeah, that was the one I had that in mind dress too. Is really a throwback to her old. Yes, look. yes, and it's, it's, the, it's the most frenetic looking yes. too, which yes. I think is kind of kind of yes. a symbol of her the way her where her mind is at that yes. time. Yes, like, yes, exactly. And yeah. that dress is a throwback to her frumpy mm-hmm. dress, yeah. but right. now it's 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 well tailored, cut yeah. and mm-hmm. tailored, but it is a floral print, and you don't really see her in floral prints in the no, whole movie except for that scene. Yeah. And, uh, and then you realize it's part of it's part of the old her right. embracing this situation and realizing that this is not right for her. Mm-hmm. It's not right for her, you know, because there's a scene, there's a couple of scenes before that where they're talking about, well, maybe I should just marry this person. And, right. And they're, they're talking about that because he's... He's right for the family. He has he's the right a, he's name. A he has the right, <laughs> right. Yes, and he's he a, likes yes. her. He wants her. Yeah. 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 And uh, and then Ori Kelly decides to put her in something that's reminiscent of when when she was having her nervous breakdown in a way as an homage to that. But mm-hmm. but it's still wonderfully cut. Mm-hmm. It's still wonderfully cut. So that's also a very very key key dress in a way. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Was I, there any looks that you loved, Kathleen, that you wanted to well, at least discuss? Well, in addition to, to the ones you guys yeah. talked about being iconic, I well, two things. I really, I love the dress that she's wearing when she comes home to face her mom with the black hat. Oh, yeah, I mean, the black well, hat. I mean, yes, the, the suit. suit with the, right. the ruffles. That, and the, the suit yes. is, that that is uh, you could wear it today. Uh, it, I mean, absolutely. Which is really funny and, because like, we she just, it's, it's, again, so fits so flattering. Mm-hmm. Her figure, you just, and you really see the but, change in her figure. But what it is, it's chic. It's chic, but it's also kind of like fun and frothy. In a yes. way, it's also she, it's also um, it has that it has a European flair to yes. it, so that she is she is now getting her clothes from Paris, yeah. as opposed to from Boston, mm-hmm. right. or she got it in South America mm-hmm. or whatever. So there's that worldly touch to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. that worldly sophistication, sophistication yeah. to it, yeah. and that is a great with yeah. the hat and the way she yeah. takes the hat off and the way she sits when. When uh, she confronts her mother, yes, it's not. Uh, she takes the hat off. It's part of the armor that she came in with, and the mm-hmm. fur. She's got the yeah. fox fur, and just and, everything kind of drapes it. And she takes that off, yeah. and then she meets her on her terms, and she sits. And um, that's also a very, very, very good dress. It's yeah, a very, very good costume. It's yeah. so funny because I was thinking we were watching it earlier today. Um, Kathleen used a lot of tissues today. Oh my god, today. he's like he's weak. laughing. I can't. I'm, I'm like, I couldn't. I had to. Like, I was just crying. I was like, this is gonna happen. I know. So I was. I just, it was like it two ends cry. of the spectrum on the couch. Like I was laughing because it's like I'm coming from a camp angle where she's like everyone's having nervous breakdowns left and right between her and the daughter, and I was just like this. It was just so over the top that I couldn't help but kind of like giggle a little. And um, then I'm like, and then she's so like, it's, and I was like, crying. I was like, no, let it out, girl, let it out. Um, but when we were watching it, just seeing that outfit how it had that like it was like that hat shape and the and the roughly uh, the roughly cravat and everything it actually really reminded me of on a clear day you can see forever yes, yes. Where, where cecil beaton did that beautiful yes. like um look for um like, for barbara. barbara streisand and she's on the stand and she's just like kind of like stroking that like muff of coat yeah. feathers and she has <laughs> she wears it in almost a very armor way too so mm-hmm. i wonder if there was like a little bit of a um oh, of an inspiration you know what on it that is because... it, you know what it is a good designer mm-hmm. it, it, uh, and people say to me how did you think of this it's organic to mm-hmm. how you're thinking. Sure. Yeah. It's organic to how you are uh, seeing. Sometimes I'm not articulating it, but it's inside mm. me, and yeah. I'll do it. And so they'll say, "How did you think of that?" I said, "Well, I just it just it just uh, 
there are designers that comes out of them, right. and mm-hmm. uh, it's easy. Yeah. And there are designers that, uh, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And you go, what the hell? Is, <laughs> uh, they, you know, what is she wearing, or what? What? Uh, it's always bad when it feels wrong, right? right. And uh, or, or they're or, desperate. Or, or, there's or, like there's sometimes or, when things feel like desperate and thirsty, uh, uh, and you're yes, just like, absolutely. what's yeah. going on? Like, unless it's meant to be that way. But there's uh, sometimes yeah, but I mean, a, lot a lot of times, times it's accident. a lot of times it's um, uh, it's the costume wearing the, the, the exactly, actor, and yeah. that's wrong. Exactly. So uh, you know, it's when the actor feels right. And right. it fits the the, the actor. Yeah. And I've thrown clothes out where it's like, oh no, this ain't working. It's just like you know, <laughs> uh, once upon a time, the first uh, the first jacket we did for Emma, the lead, was mm-hmm. black. Oh. Okay. And it w- it remained black until the day before shooting. Oh. And really? the showrunner said, I think it should be red. <laughs> yeah. And boom. You know, I went out around Vancouver. I didn't know Vancouver at the time. And yeah. I found a red jacket. It fit really badly. And we, overnight, you know, Had tweaked it. And, it and yeah. I think it was a $79 jacket. Wow. <laughs> and then in season two, it became a $6,000 jacket. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, uh, it's important that that the actor doesn't... Uh, doesn't uh, wear the costume as like the costume right it's just too much yeah just yeah exactly it's just too much you know and uh you know it, it happened on a series that i i didn't get this year that i saw recently uh and i saw the pilot and uh i was trying to be gentle with the producers and i said well i think you know if you go a size bigger on on this person it won't look as um cheap Mm-hmm. Sometimes too tight looks yeah. cheap. Right. You discuss this with suits sometimes. Mm. Yes. 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 Right. Right. Especially now with this nipped in suit men's look. suits. Yeah. And I had a I had a, a situation with a, a show that's on now that I think you know the guy is big, and you're putting him these really tight designery, sh- and he needs to have custom made. Right. And he's bigger. Yeah. So there's an art to all of that. Right. Yeah. There, there's an art to all of that. Yeah. But Ora Kelly was a genius at, I mean, at yes. creating that. Yeah. And then the final costume that she wears, again, it's a simple little blouse. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, I know, with the uh, long skirt. And yeah. Oh, that beautiful, just, like, floor-length skirt. It's yeah. just where she says that line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why ask for the moon when we have the stars? Yeah. And that's the line that gets everybody. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's the line that it's gets so beautiful. everybody. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Yeah, that's... It was, and there's, um, there was another costume that I really loved too. Was the um, when she, f- when she first sees Jerry at the party again after seeing oh, each other yes, for so absolutely. long, oh, yeah. and she was wearing that beautiful white gown yeah. that's like got yes. a super deep V, but then it has like a sheer deep V, v yes. underneath it. Yes. Like a, and then it has these beautiful like kind of like lightning bolt, like horizontal lightning bolt, yeah. like oh, yeah. sequin yeah. pattern on it's, it. It's it's a it's a brocade. <sighs> that's a it's a silk brocade that just. Did wonders. It's it was like, great, it's, it, and it's it was great. so wonderful because it, whenever it hit the light, it would just like radiate down her, and mm-hmm. she looked stunning, like absolutely stunning. No, she did, and, I, and, and uh, I think that that was kind of like perfect for that scene because that was the scene where she was going to be seeing Jerry yeah. again. It was like not, not. I just feel like in, in this movie, nothing. After watching it a couple of times, nothing was by accident. Nothing was no. like mm-hmm. just sort of like throwing it out there and just being, well, this arca- looks good. No, it's like nothing's feels, archaic. And yeah, that's the sound. That's the sight. Uh, that's. That's the sign of a great designer, and mm-hmm. all designers, when you when you see their works, 
it, it happens when I see uh, Milena Cananero's mm-hmm. work. It's it's uh, everything from, you know, she designed the Hunger, with oh, uh, wow. you know, with Catherine <laughs> yeah, Deneuve, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, that was so different than Chariots of Fire, right? Which mm-hmm. was so different than. Um, the Shining, which was so different than Midnight Express. She did all of these films. Which was oh my so different god! Than wow. Out of Africa, which was wow. so different than Dick Tracy. Yeah, uh, holy crap! <laughs> which was so different than any of the four Oscars that she has. Oh my goodness! Wow. And I remember when I was in London, uh, I was in London with her. I was doing Bride and Prejudice, and I went yeah. to have dinner with her, and uh, we were at her apartment. And I'm tooling around her apartment. I open the closet door and there's three Oscars. I said, what are they on the floor? (laughs) What are they doing on the floor? Most people show those things off. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. No, but I mean, um, uh, I think uh, getting back to one point, and this point is is something for uh, young designers that are trying to get into this business mm-hmm. and trying to uh, uh, move forward or get a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. When I was their age, students at, in college, mm-hmm. I had three heroes. Oh, yeah. I had three heroes, living heroes. Right. I, uh, Dorothy Jenkins, who de- designed uh, Sound of Music uh-huh. and Carousel. And she was the first female to win an Oscar oh, uh, wow. for my cousin Rachel. She was some. She was a giant. She did the Ten Commandments. Oh, wow. Right. So she she was one. Another one was Anne Roth, who graduated from Carnegie Mellon. She had done uh, Midnight Cowboy. Oh yeah. She had done a lot of films. Dave the Locust was another one. Uh, the English Patient. Oh, wow. Later on, she's yeah. now eighty-seven years old. Oh wow. Has like four shows on Broadway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she's doing two films, and she's Jesus. she's going like gangbusters. And then the other one, of course, was Milena Cananero, mm-hmm. the gigantic, uh, you know, wonderful Oscar-winning designer. And when I was a kid, I said, "Oh my God, I, I." I wish I could shake their hand one day. I wish I could meet them one day. And not only did I meet them, I worked with every single one of them. And they were all very generous and all wonderful and completely different. Mm -hmm. Completely different. And I think it's important for uh, young people to have heroes. Who do you admire? Mm -hmm. Who would you like to work with? Who would you like to be part of their scenario one day? And I think it's important. I think that's important. Wow. And uh, have a dream. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Really good advice. Have it's a, a dream. Yeah. You know, wow. that's very, very important. It's fantastic. Oh, wow. I can't think of a better way to end. This is so fantastic. This is Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Castro. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Um, is, there, is there any way that people can follow you on social media or are you even on I'm, social media? I'm on Facebook. Okay. I'm on Facebook. Okay, so and people can they follow should, you. And I have a website mm-hmm. and it's uh, eduardocastrodesigns.com. Oh, great. But, uh, you know, I'm terrible. I'm still trying to, because uh, I'm old, <laughs> trying to uh, embrace Instagram, we prefer mature. <laughs> no, no, my, my dear friend, the other the other great designer who uh, mentored me uh, was Theodore Van Runkel, who uh-huh. probably had the most spectacular design debut of all time, which was Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, oh, right? oh And there's a couple. There's a sketch behind you. Uh, it's Liza Minnelli from New York, New York. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Yeah, we'll take a look at that. Okay. Later. But, but uh, she used to say to me, "Oh, 
I feel so ancien, which is fa- it's French for ancient. You know? <laughs> so, I feel ancien. I say, yeah, I do too. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, we re- recommend everyone go check out Mr. Castro's work. It's fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Um, you can um, you can hit us up on social media, mm-hmm. all the usual places, the OHR podcast on Twitter, Old Hollywood Realness on Facebook and Instagram. You can send us your thoughts and prayers via email on um, Old Hollywood Re- Old Hollywood Realness at gmail.com. Um, thank you to Hal Lublin for his uh, vocal talents at the top of the podcast. Yes. Keeping us sounding fresh and profesh as always. <laughs> and um, with that, I thank you, Kathleen, for being and here. And thank you, Philip. <laughs> um, and have a great day. Thank you for listening yes. to OHR. Bye. That sounds wonderful. Test, test, beep, boop. Test, test, beep, boop. Boop, boop, beep, boop.